millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme with Bernie taking your calls at 0818 103 103 and today is the 15th of July, the day that is also known as St. Swidden's Day and on St. Swidden's Day according to folklore the weather for the subsequent period is dictated by what the weather is like today. The popular belief is if it rains on St. Swidden's Day then it will rain for the next Next 40 days. But if it is fair and sunny on St. Swithin's Day, then that's what it's going to be like for the next 40 days. And I did a quick check before I came on air to find out what had been the false predictions around this particular day. This is according to the Guinness Book of Records. Uh, St. Swithin got it wrong in 1924. There was 13 and a half hours of sunshine in London and that was followed by 30 of the next 40 days being wet while in 1913 there was 15 hours of rainstorms and that year it was followed by 30 dry days out of the next 40. So I think it's only when the sun shines on St. Swithin's Day we all go, oh, it's going to be great weather for the next 40 days. But if it rains, we just choose to ignore that piece of folklore. Our texts and WhatsApps are open on 086 103. But certainly it doesn't look like it's going to rain over the next few days because... Met Aaron now, uh, believing that uh, we could see here in Ireland a new record for the highest temperature ever set since records began, and it's expected to happen next week. They are also predicting at least one, what they call it is very rare, a tropical night thrown in, and I think they're expecting that to be on Monday night. The highest recorded temperature for Ireland was set in Kilkenny Castle in June 18. Hermistat went to 33.3 degrees and we've never broken that yet but Met Aaron reckoned that that record could be under threat this weekend because they're already reckoning that temperatures will go to 32 degrees and could possibly go above that likely to be on Monday and potentially on Tuesday and then from Wednesday cooler air is going to sweep back over the uh, country. Now meteorologists at Met are saying that the summer over Europe has been marked by heat wave after heat.
heat wave. Although the various factors which dictate our weather, the fact that we're surrounded by water, that has tended to moderate excessive heat here. So we haven't had the same level of heat waves that they've been experiencing in Europe. Now, the weather obviously is going to be welcomed by some, but of course, it does come with warnings, not just the obvious impact of climate uh, change on weather globally, but there's also a risk of people overheating and dehydration. And according to Met Aaron, we have more deaths from warm temperature events like this than we do in winter storms. And we put a huge amount of focus on winter storms uh, every year. So you do need to be careful with these high temperatures across the weekend. And I know alone, the organisation which supports older people, they're already out today and they're warning elderly people that they can be more vulnerable during warmer weather conditions and they're at greater risk of heat exhaustion. They're at greater risk of heat stroke, especially those that live on their own. People who've got health issues are those that have limited um, mobility and they're advising older people to keep cool, to hydrate over the coming days and into next week. And if they are going out into the sun, to take regular breaks from the sunshine. Older people also have been warned to keep a container of water in the fridge in the event that water pressure might get reduced or could even get restricted. And then alone, also calling on members of the public to please check in on older people to ensure that they have everything that they need to make sure that they're safe and that they're keeping cool in the heat. Sean Moynihan, who is the CEO of Alone, said we're used to extreme weathers in winter, but extreme summer weather can cause serious problems here. So he's saying to people, look, call in, knock on the door, maybe drop in a small bottle of cold water, just check and make sure that elderly people are okay. Because we have a tendency to do it in the cold weather. We're great at making sure, you know, check that the neighbour might need some milk and bread if you're going to the shop. But we don't really focus so much on it in the hot weather. So it is important that we do keep an eye on older people and that uh, older people are mindful that they are at risk during these extreme temperatures. And of course, any older person who is listening who would like to contact alone they can you can contact them at 0818 222024 0818 and it's interesting when Sean Moynihan from alone was making the point for older people to make sure that they've got some water stored and in the fridge and maybe some bottled water in the house for fear that something could happen that water might get reduced or might get restricted Irish water are appealing to all of us here in Cork to be very mindful of our water usage, especially over the coming weeks, as the increased domestic and commercial demand during the busy summer period is being exacerbated by the warm weather and the widespread emergence of drought conditions. Now, they say since March, Irish water, they've been carefully monitoring all raw water sources here in County Cork. Now, raw water sources, that's where the water from lakes and rivers and springs and ground sources, they feed our water treatment plants. So they've been keeping an eye on them. And they say that for the past few days, water demand in Clonakilty is presenting a particular challenge on supply and restrictions may be needed in order to replenish the reservoirs there. But it's not just Clonakilty. They're saying other areas in West Cork, Dunmanway, Skibbereen, Bantry, Doris, Goline, Crookhaven and Glengariff also are being closely monitored. And Irish Water say that they're asking people, please be sensible 
about how you use your water so that there's enough for everyone to use but in particular they want to make sure that the businesses of Clonakilty can continue to operate at normal. I mean Clonakilty is a, a busy spot in the summer months at the best of times but when you get warm weather more and more people will head down west. A lot of people will be heading to uh, Clonakilty so they want to make sure that businesses can keep going so just be mindful of your water usage please and that goes in for all of us. Somebody says wouldn't a grand fall of snow wouldn't it be great? <laughs> Wishful thinking on your behalf. <laughs> okay, and then and then another text in. This is from yesterday. Remember yesterday we we had a listener who contacted us because her son is about to do his driving test and his NCT is out in his car. Couldn't get an NCT into November. Would he be able to do his test without a valid NCT? We checked and of course you can't if you turn up and, and, and the listener straight away says, believe me, I know from personal experience somebody did turn up with an out-of-date NCT Te- uh, NCT certificate and was refused the driving test so we were given the advice to the mum who contacted us on behalf of her son so we had said one of the one of the options was to get on to NCT explain the predicament that the lad is in because he needs to do I think the test is on the 4th of August if my memory serves me right uh, but to explain and they might be able to rush through and get him you know reschedule an appointment for him well the mum has been back on to say Patricia just to say we have managed to get the NCT it is now booked for next Thursday so my son will have it done in time for his driving test everything crossed that it will pass for him thanks for your help listen we're only too glad to help out we'll have our fingers crossed that it passes the NCT next Thursday and then more importantly that he passes the driving test as well wish him the very very best and Mick has emailed the programme Patricia at c103.ie to say listening to yesterday's uh, programme Mick was listening on the repeat on catch up last night uh, in particular interested about the rising energy and fuel costs Mick says I am concerned particularly as families face into winter this year. Mick says I live alone and I try to implement a budget every week and usually there's one or two items that have to wait for the following week because I simply don't have the finances I'm on a disability social welfare payment and I presently have a prepay electricity provider. Up to the end of May, I could do a full machine wash of clothes and into the tumble dryer and do a cupboard dry cycle. And I could do all that for one euro and 67 cent. That exact programme, the full machine wash and the cupboard dry cycle is now costing me four euro and seven cent. That is incredible. The beauty of having a pay-as-you-go meter, I can cost each transaction, for example, says Mick, to boil a kettle of water, it costs six cent. But goodness me, the wash and the tumble drying of the clothes and I, I don't know your particular disability mix. So I don't know if it's possible for you to skip on the cupboard dry cycling in the tumble dryer is there any way you can hang the washing out particularly with the weather over the next few days it would be one way of saving a bit but just looking at the increase to have gone to use electricity that costs €1.67 for it now to be €4.07 that is over double the amount that really is incredible and you put that into and that's Mick living on his own you put that into a family situation with the number of children where the washing machine is going constantly you can imagine how much the electricity bill is going to be in a family with a lot of children. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 
103. I mentioned Mick was talking about how his electricity has gone up because he's on one of those prepaid meters. He can see exactly how much, you know, when he's using a particular item, an electrical item in the ha- in the house, he can see exactly how much it's cost- costing him. And he was talking about how much it costs him to boil a kettle of water. I think he says it's about six cent. And that's prompted Yvonne in Kilavollen to contact us to say the pe- good people of Kilavollen have been living under a boil water notice. Now, it's been going on for the past 10 weeks. Yvonne says we're robbed from boiling all the water or else buying bottled water and no news from Irish Water and I know only last week we got on to Irish Water again to see was there any indication could they give us any kind of a time frame on when they're going to lift the boiled water notice and they said they couldn't except that they're still investigating and still working and still trying to sort the problem but with electricity costs so high it is desperately unfair on any community that's living under a boiled water notice because they have no choice except to boil the water or go out and buy bottled water either which way there is a cost involved and that does seem very very unfair uh, so my heart goes out to you Yvonne it, it really is unfair 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 Can I give a quick mention to and we did mention this earlier in the week because I just want to wish the best of luck to the annual Make Your Mark on Cancer Charity Challenge. Uh, it's returning this weekend for the first time in two years. The organisers are hoping that next Sunday's event will be the biggest and best fundraiser to date. Hundreds of people are set to take on the 22 kilometre walking challenge. They'll go from the viaduct in to the town hall in Bandon. And of course, it's all in aid of the Mercy Cancer Care Centre. And this was the walk that was set up to remember a young Bandon man, Mark Prendergast, who sadly died from testicular cancer in, uh, to, in 2012. You can still get involved. If you'd like to register, you can go to their website, make your mark makeyourmark.ie 25 euro to register but of course uh, for those who've taken sponsorship cards it is free now I'm told fingers crossed Sally should be with me good morning Sally there is the issue of not having enough space for Ukrainian refugees uh, is getting a lot of coverage in today's paper. We touched on it yesterday when we heard that so many people uh, were now flying into Dublin Airport and they were being forced to sleep in the old terminal building. Literally not enough room at the at the inn. And according to some of the papers today, houses that were originally intended to house Ukrainians are lying empty. Well, we're faced now with the prospect of Ukrainians sleeping in tents. Hundreds of properties that were pledged to help those fleeing the war are being caught in a log jam of red tape and are they've been withdrawn are they're simply deemed unsuitable and it's now expected that one in five properties which were promised to help house refugees from Ukraine will actually be used for that purpose. Some houses were removed from the list that was following an inspection that simply weren't suitable. Others have not been allocated as they're in too rural an area and if you put a family there they'd have to have a car and of course obviously the Ukrainian refugees are, are arriving without cars uh, so they simply weren't suitable. It seems there are still other houses on the list that haven't been inspected yet by the council inspectors. Some county councils say that shared accommodation this is where people offer that they had a bedroom in their house that would be suitable for some of the Ukrainian refugees. They're still waiting for Garda vetting 
and, and for very obvious reasons they have to have guard the vetting done that hasn't been completed yet and the shortage of accommodation has now resulted in Ukrainian refugees being stranded at Dublin airport and the government is now desperately scrambling to try to provide shelter to the asylum seekers arriving into this uh, st- into the state along with the Ukrainian refugees now it's what's now been said is going to happen. Refugees will be sent to the large tented village that's been uh, constructed on the military land at Gormanstown Camping County Meath and that has capacity for several hundred people. The Department of Justice is examining the factors that has also led to a significant increase in people coming to this country seeking application for international protection. These are asylum seekers. These are not the Ukrainian refugees. They're talking about deportations are set to resume for the first time since the pandemic because some asylum seekers do come to this country and they're not entitled to asylum. So therefore, they should be deported. Deportations obviously stopped during the pandemic. Now, there's over 40,000 Ukrainians have fled the war and have arrived in uh, Ireland. But alongside the 40,000 Ukrainians are this rise in numbers of people looking for asylum. The teacher yesterday has said that the UK government and their Rwanda solution there he's accepting now it could be causing uh, an increase in asylum seekers coming to Ireland uh, instead. The Department of Justice is establishing an accelerated decision-making process for the asylum seekers. We touched on that yesterday and it's one of the problems. It just takes too long to assess somebody when they come into this country. And as somebody pointed out, they're assessed, they're deemed not suitable for asylum in this country. Then they'll appeal and the appeals can go on and go on for many, many years. So the Department of Justice is saying we're really looking looking at that and really looking at assessing and accelerating the decision making. So if somebody is entitled to asylum, they get asylum. If they're not entitled to it, they're sent back on a plane. Now, the Taoiseach uh, insisted that people fleeing wars will be prioritised in the asylum system. Remember, the Ukrainians are not seeking asylum here. They're just seeking refuge until they can go back to their own country. But I was really surprised to read that 30 percent of the people that are in the city west um, only 30% are Ukrainians 70% that are in city west are actually seeking asylum they're from other countries not from Ukraine and there are fears that that situation is only going to get worse particularly for the for the Ukrainians because of the student accommodation those that are in student accommodation will have to vacate in the middle of uh, August The spokesperson for the Department of Children said the Red Cross records are showing that 2,338 assumed vacant properties around the country could be used for and to house refugees. However, they have added it's anticipated that just 21% of the pledges will actually materialise as a high number now being withdrawn or as we said, some of them are just unsuitable. To date though, more than 2,181 people have moved into pledged properties, 786 pledged properties with a spokesperson saying that that is expected to increase. And actually the Irish Examiner have an aerial photograph of the tented camp in Gormanstown. It shows all the the tents and then I'm I'm assuming dining areas because it's kind of larger marquee style uh, tents. But over that photograph, they've put sort of the stats with regards to Ukrainian refugees. 40,700 Ukrainians are in Ireland seeking uh, refuge. 
in the tents that we're looking at in the papers today. 320 could be housed there and there's currently 150 in Dublin Airport awaiting to get accommodation. But the big, big worry is the 4,250 who will have to leave student accommodation in the coming weeks and where are they going to be uh, placed. Now I did see somebody contacted us this morning and said Richard in Castletown Bear he says there's a hotel in Castletown Bear that's been closed for the last few years. He feels that would be ideal for refugees and wonders why the council are, are the Irish Red Cross are not looking at that. 0818 103 103 Bernice taking your calls this morning you can text her WhatsApp 086 to 103 103. Now with Met issuing a high temperature warning for the entire country many families will head to the beaches and the waterways in order to cool down. So to offer words of advice on staying safe while taking a swim over the coming days I'm joined by Roger Sweeney who is the acting CEO of Water Safety Ireland. Good morning to you Roger. Hi Trish, good morning. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, uh, sadly, we've had some tragic drownings, haven't we, already this week? Oh God, we have. We've, we've had two, and I'm sure all your listeners have heard of them by now, two tragic drownings. But um, I, I, people probably don't realise that we, we, we have about nine drowning tragedies every, every month in Ireland. We've had 40 drowning so far this year and uh, 34 this time last year so it's a, it's an it's a it's an ongoing issue it's a, and it's an important one to talk about because you know we have we have um we've had 80 drownings um last year so um and the majority are in summer trish so you know we are unfortunately coming into the season when drownings do increase you know and just to give it a bit more perspective and we, we'll talk about what the, how we can avoid these is we've had uh, just over 1,100 families suffer a drowning tragedy in the last 10 years. So that's 1,100 terrible tragedies. But if you look at that in, uh, compared to roads, we've had 1,600 deaths on our roads, Trish. So, you know, far more road users, as you can imagine. So the, the drowning burden, if you like, it's, it's more of an issue than a lot of people think, especially at this time of year. But as I say, when you, when you think there's been, what, 2,700 deaths on our roads and in water combined and it's not 50-50, but it's 40% of all those yeah, deaths were yeah. drowning. So significant. Yeah, it's shocking. And those uh, families are just then left absolutely uh, uh, devastated. And then looking, yes. looking to this summer and in particular the warm weather mm. that we've been talking about uh, earlier on in the programme, uh, because of COVID, are there some children that missed out on learning to, to swim? And for others of us, our swimming skills might be all a bit rusty. Oh, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because there isn't a child in the country or indeed an adult that had classes throughout COVID, you know. So, and uh, the, the, a lot of people, you know, they considered themselves competent really before COVID in, in a swimming pool environment, for example. You know, so, so the, a lot of those people now are swimming for the first time in open water. And it's a completely different scenario because, as you say, they're going to be rusty. You know, and, and there's been two years now since classes. And as well as that, you know, a lot of the drownings, most of them actually, over 60% occur inland. You know, so uh, people arriving to a waterway, okay, you, 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 a lot of people think that drownings are something that happen on the coast. But, you know, the, we've had 12,000 locks of all sizes in this country. And the five rivers, the five longest rivers are over a thousand kilometers long. So everybody's near water actually 
40% of the population live within 5k and we all remember what 5k meant mm. uh, within 5k of the coast but so many more drownings occur inland so really we're talking about assessing the risk uh, when you when you get to a waterway no matter where it is and if it is a beach you know try to get to a lifeguarded waterway now not everybody does but if you can go the distance if you can get to a lifeguarded waterway you know, go on to watersafety.ie forward slash lifeguards and you'll see where the lifeguards are working, what times they're working and so on. But there's a reason we ask people to go there. You know, they they rescued nearly 500 people. I think it was 473, but nearly 500 people from at risk of drowning last year. So people do overestimate their ability and they do underestimate the risks. You know, and that's, if they've if they rescued 500 people last year, you know, that, that just shows, that's at lifeguarded waterways, that people may take risks in other areas as well, you know, because people used to social distance trish throughout um, COVID, COVID, you know, they used yeah. to try and find somewhere to swim, you know, so, so they were getting into difficulty there. And also the lifeguards, they found over 500 kids, 516, who I think, yeah, who, who were lost. Separ- yeah, get yeah. separated from their parents. Super- yeah. I spent time last summer um, on one of the beaches I was on just watching the, the lifeguards. They do the most incredible work. And can I say to people, abide, mm. if, they, if, if a lifeguard tells you not to come out of the water or not to swim in, in a particular area, they know the area well. They're telling you, oh, yeah. they're instructing you. They don't, they're not trying to be killjoys. They're instructing you for your no. own safety. You know, that's you hit the nail on the head for a really important reason there because I have heard so many people question the lifeguards or raise an eyebrow about what are they talking about, get out here. But do you know one of the most common reasons in this country for people to get into difficulty are rip currents. You know, and they're not always in the same place. And, and we'll talk a little bit about this because people tend to gloss over the, even the term rip currents, you know, but yet that's one of the main reasons that, that, that people get into difficulty. So if you, you literally need to stop for a moment, when, if there's a lifeguard on duty, you know, you have to listen to them because the rip current doesn't necessarily remain in the same area on a beach. It sometimes moves. So the lifeguard flags may have moved along a beach compared to the day before, you know, and it's mainly because of these rip currents. So, but, but more importantly, you know, when lifeguards ask you to get out of the water and if it is a rip current, you know, what they've spotted is something they're trained for. But yet, you know, people can, people can train themselves as well to, to spot rip currents, you know, but again, it's very important. And I, I start with saying, swim at a lifeguarded waterway, but some people, they get to a beach and maybe it isn't lifeguarded and they're, they're warm and they want to get in quickly, but they really need to stop for a minute and literally, you know, just don't go in, you know, draw a line in the sand in your mind and just say, you know, I'm not going to go in until I've assessed some things. Okay, I've managed to get to a lifeguarded waterway. Where are the flags? Okay, I can swim in that zone. But if it's not a lifeguarded waterway, are there ring boys present so that can be used for if the rescue is necessary? You know, did somebody bring the inflatable toy that could be caught in a rip current or, or a breeze? And so they're a no-no. If you're not going to bin them at home, well, don't bring them with you. But staying on the on the on the rip current for a second, Trish, you, you, the people arrive and they see these waves breaking, small waves, your typical small white waves just breaking onto the beach, and they think oh, look at that little spot in the middle. There's calm water there and it's between the small breaking waves and they think they'll be safer in that calmer water. And sometimes a lifeguard will say, no, you can't swim there. And they kind of question that. But what's typically happening there is that there's an elevated sand bank, typically, Trish, that runs along under the water and then that causes this wave action, you know, onto any beach. And it's those elevated sand banks. There's usually a gap then, you see, because the water 
has to go out somewhere. And the water finds that gap in the sandbank and it channels out and it goes back out, um, looks calm, it's not, not the, doesn't have the wave action, looks inviting, but it will take you out along the neck of the current, if you like. Actually, you know, even the word neck, I'll just say, if, if you, people imagine that the beach itself is like your shoulders, this current then goes out like the neck and then it dissipates like your head. It just dissipates into nothing. Okay, so, that, that, and, I, and I say that because when people panic, they need to know that there is an escape and that can help avoid the panic. So if there's a takeaway on this, tell yourself that the current you're caught in, and people will get caught in these currents, this current is narrow. So instead of swimming against it, because that's really difficult to get back to shore, even for a competent swimmer, swim parallel to the shore at a slight angle. Now, if you're exhausted, of course you can float and you can wave for a lifeguard to come and assist you. But if you're able to swim, you should swim parallel to shore, slight angle, and you will get free and you will get free quickly. And then you'll get back to shore and you'll probably actually be helped even by the small waves we're talking about that are breaking towards the shore anyway. But again, the inflatable toys, not, yeah. you know, yeah, they, they keep, drive keep, leave, the leave them, them at home. And Roger, if, you, if yeah. a member of the public spots somebody in trouble, I'm particularly thinking of an area where there isn't qualified lifeguards, what's the general yeah. advice? Do you know, if people put three words into their head, it'll actually help because people get panicked when they, when they see somebody in difficulty, right? So put these three words into your mind, shout, reach and throw. So even shouting can sometimes orientate somebody back. That's all it needs sometimes to encourage somebody, come this way, so shout and then reach. And I mean reach with anything that stops you from entering the water. I remember speaking to a 10-year-old girl who saved her nine-year-old brother from, uh, from, from drowning using a hurley stick, going from the family home to the granny's home at the back and falling into water. So the, the, you know, anything that can prevent you, a trouser leg, a stick, anything that will keep you from going in. So shout, encourage them back to shore, reach with anything that prevents you from going into the water and throw. So throwing a ring boy, for example, or a floating object. I don't know if anybody heard the news this morning. I just I happened to come across it this morning that there was a chap who spent the last 18 hours floating at sea because he got caught in a current, was taken out, and he held on to a football. My goodness. So, yeah. you know, so, yeah. so anything, just look around and see what floats yeah. and throw to them. And that's often all that's needed. And, you know, when we talk about supervision, Trish, like, you know, it's fine to say supervise the kids, but we have lots of instances every year where parents or guardians, they send the older child down to mind the younger kids because the older child they perceive as being a strong swimmer. But what is that child going to do? if younger kids are going to get into difficulty. They may not have the life-saving skills and the volunteers at Water Safety Ireland, they're teaching those skills since 1945 all around the country. So, you know, they may not have those skills. So if they don't have the skills, how can you rely on them to supervise children properly? So when we say supervision, we mean constant and uninterrupted and, you know, adult supervision. That's how we, 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 we reduce the drownings. And, you know, good swimmers as well, Trish, they're, they're more likely to take risks and it's probably the biggest reason that strong swimmers get into difficulty, you know, because they and, and, and by the way, 80 percent of drownings are male, you know, so there is that risk taking, you know, and it's not because women are stronger swimmers. 
it's because so men take the risk. Typically, men. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I mean, and, you, know, risk, and you know, and the advice is: look, we want everybody to ha- to have a good have a good time. Oh, but yeah. Just you know, go yeah. to the lifeguarded beaches. If you're not on a lifeguarded yeah. beach, local knowledge is a great thing. Ask local people because the local people will yes. always be able to tell you: no, don't swim there. That simply isn't safe. Yes. And you see, what we're trying to do is when people are informed and they inform themselves, if you're afraid of water, you you typically won't inform your your children or your friends. You won't have that conversation. So what we're trying to do is change that unhealthy fear of water into a respect for water. And that comes by learning the dangers, the kind of things you're you're talking about there, you know, underestimating your ability. Um, Don't overestimate your ability, don't underestimate the risk, swim at the lifeguarded waterways, don't drink alcohol, it's a factor in a third of drownings, you know, just don't drink it and know how to escape a rip current, know the three words, shout, reach and throw, you know, supervise the kids and don't use the inflatable toys and just remember, the air is lovely now, the air is warm, beautiful waterways, go out and enjoy them, but just remember the water is a little bit cooler, it's not grease. You know, so when people go in, make sure you can get in, but you can get out easily as well. That, you know, when you start to swim back to where you came in, that there isn't a slight current that you're suddenly challenged by. You know, make sure that it's a safe place and that you know before you go in where you're going to get out safely. Okay, listen, enjoy the weekend yourself, uh, Roger, as always, uh, your mind of information. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank Good morning you. to you. Bye bye. bye. That is uh, Roger Sweeney, who is the acting CEO of Irish Water Safety. And Philip is making the point when Roger was talking about drownings in uh, inland waterways. To let's not forget that fresh water is much less buoyant than salt water uh, as well, which is um, absolutely spot on. Thank you for that, uh, Philip. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie's taking your calls. By the way, I can see some texts coming in about the situation with the Ukrainian uh, refugees and the fact that so many of them now have been forced to sleep on the floor of the old terminal building at Dublin airport because they literally the government are running out of emergency beds for them. And actually I just saw this morning that they had yesterday uh, people who had spent a night in the terminal building then got moved on with, you know, the government saying and the department saying that the arrangement was a stop gap measure uh, put in operation while, while they could while they found more places so there was a number of buses uh, moved people from the termin- terminal building out to City West yesterday about 40 people ended up in the terminal building last night but then this morning on early morning flights that number has gone back up to 180 so more arrived this morning uh, and, the, and no place for them so they've ended up it looks like they will be staying on the floor in the old terminal building uh, tonight uh, as well and for anyone who has already ready taken in Ukrainian refugees and we know I mentioned it earlier when the the stats I was giving out there's nearly 800 offers have been taken up by the Red Cross and the local authorities and the government and there's about 800 homes either I don't know if it's any of it's in shared accommodation or is it actually uh, people giving maybe a holiday home or a house that they have uh, available to the Ukrainian refugees householders who have taken in or will take in Ukrainian uh, refugees are in line to begin receiving monthly support payments in the coming weeks. This is the €400 that the government have pledged to families who are willing to house Ukrainian refugees. There's going to be a new online application process which should go live in the coming days. The Department of Children 
has confirmed the money will be paid out by the Department of Social Protection once specific criteria is met, including that the householder will take in the Ukrainians for at least six months. That's what the pledge has to be. The payment will also be made retrospectively for those who've already taken in Ukrainian uh, fleeing the war and it will date back as far as the 4th of March because there has been some Irish families who actually went to the airport and offered accommodation to Ukrainians and they've been living in their homes since. So it will be back dated but the 400 euro due to kick in in the coming uh, in the the department spokesperson said the scheme will commence in the next few weeks and an online application will be uh, submitted from the commencement date so we'll when we get more information on that we will bring it to you but some of your thoughts and comments on the Ukrainians that are already here Bridget says uh, Patricia from previous meetings it's not the Red Cross who decides where the where the refugees go it's the government makes the decisions the Red Cross do the meet and greet and they offer support but I said right from the very start where are all these people going to go we were told initially that we would take up to 100,000 people that we were expected to arrive now according to Bridget that figure has gone to up to 200,000 people we already have over 40,000 uh, people so there are many more to come I said at the time they'll end up in tents I don't think I'm far wrong will you not that Gormanstown camp that the aerial photograph is on a lot of the papers today that's set to come into operation from Monday and 320 of the Ukrainian refugees uh, will be living there. Hi Patricia, just listening to you regarding the accommodation crisis for the Ukrainian refugees and you mentioned that over 4,000 will have to move out of student accommodation in the middle of August. Well I'm questioning do the student accommodation do they do the Ukrainians really need to leave that accommodation could the students not study at home and do their college courses online it worked very successfully during the pandemic it seems awful for the Ukrainians who have been in there now for many weeks at this stage that they're going to have to ask uh, to leave and the bigger problem is they're going to be have to be asked be told that they have to leave where are they going to put the four and a half thousand that are currently in student accommodation this is third level student accommodation all over the country that's the bigger headache and for the for the department officials you know if they're already struggling if we're already hearing that Ukrainians that arrived this morning it's looking like they'll have to stay on the floor of the old terminal building in Dublin airport tonight you add an extra four and a half thousand in the middle of August that number just I just don't know where they're going to find the accommodation because even the tents in Gormanstown are only going to house 320 that would only be the tip of the iceberg for the ones that are in the student accommodation so I don't I don't know where it's going to go Hi Patricia do the Ukrainians get vaccinated when they arrive here well I'm assuming that they because they get PPS uh, numbers that they can go if they want to if they haven't been vaccinated and want to get vaccinated they can go into our vaccination uh, programme uh, but are you saying do we insist that they get vaccinated when they get off the plane absolutely not as as of course we didn't insist that Irish people got uh, vaccinated but if, if they haven't been vaccinated yes they can join our vaccination uh, programme which of course is still up and uh, running. Hi Patricia, I was looking at prime time last night and this was now, I only, it was because we had visitors last night and you know when the television programme was just on in the background, I did see the bit where they were looking at what's going on on some of the Dublin transport on, on the Lewis and the antisocial behaviour train stations. God, it just looked shocking. I was kind of embarrassed with the Australian sitting watching that. I kind of kept the conversation going so that they wouldn't realise what was on the TV. But the beginning part of prime 
prime time by all accounts was to do with the homeless situation wasn't it uh, but, uh, so I, I didn't see it all but anyway this is what this listener is commenting on we should hang our heads in shame the amount of homeless people living on the streets in Dublin nothing short of disgraceful this listener says I'm by no means racist or anything else for that matter but there was a man on the programme with a boot full of water and food in his car that he was bringing out to the people at the airport I was thinking to myself the amount of our own that are on our streets and I'm wondering how many bottles of water and food did he give as he passed them by on his way to the airport Patricia we seem to ignore our own homeless and we are more we are one of the most generous races on the planet for everybody else except our own. We have to put a cap on people coming into this country. We can't cope and we need to help our own and when we do then by all means let us help anybody else that we uh, can and the government are insisting because it is a wartime situation that they won't put a cap on the numbers uh, coming in but if, if the numbers continue to increase then certainly it's going to be a problem. I mean, you you offer refuge to people fleeing a war, but if you've nowhere for them them to go, how is that offering refuge? That's the worry that I would have. 0818103103. And then on a couple of other different topics, I mentioned water. And somebody was on about Kilavodan, wasn't it? Yvonne contacted us. She's one of the people that's on the boil water notice in Kilavodan for the last 10 weeks. And she's saying the cost to individual families having to boil all the water that they need to use. And if they don't boil, they've got to buy bottled water. And it's huge, huge expense with the cost of electricity, etc. Well, a listener who just signs a regular listener in Bantry says, the water ain't great in Bantry uh, e- either. We have ended up having to buy bottled uh, water. But I'm is, is that by choice? You just don't, you, you're not happy, you feel, with the taste of the water. Whereas in Kilavodan, it's a different situation. A boiled water notice, they have been told it's bad for their health if they drink the water without boiling it uh, first. 0818 and then on the whole thing of using electricity, remember Mick contacted us about how much his electricity has gone up by to wash his clothes and then dry them in the tumble dryer. Liz reckons, and I give this out to see do others agree or disagree, that clothes are being washed too much and too often. Do we wash our clothes more often now than say our parents, our grandparents uh, did? Certainly teenagers seem to have a big thing about wearing something once and insisting that it gets washed and you can have a young teenager in the house that could change their clothes more than once during the day are we washing our clothes too much I know I'm I have a tumble dryer at home that I have to hand and heart say I rarely use I don't like to tumble dry clothes because I really do think tumble dryers absolutely wreck clothes and that's why when I heard Mick saying that he goes straight from the washing machine into the tumble dryer now he does live on, on a disability payment and maybe that's the only way that he can wash and dry his clothes I don't know what his individual disability uh, is but I certainly would would never take clothes out of a washing machine and straight into a tumble dryer. The odd time I would use the tumble dryer would be to air off uh, something more than anything. But uh, but that's just me. I, I personally think that the clothes get absolutely wrecked in a tumble dryer. And certainly if you're using a tumble dryer a lot, 
if you stop using it for a while, you'll notice your electricity bill will certainly uh, go down. 0818 103 103. And on the warm weather, Peter says, I don't like this hot weather at all. I get very bad hay fever. Yeah, let's think of people with hay fever at the moment. It's We're really at the height of the hay fever season and with the warm weather over the next few days, hay fever is going to get even worse. Hi, Patricia. I saw the head of Shell Oil in Europe has warned that fuel shortages, we can all expect fuel shortages for this winter. Too bad that our government gave away our oil and gas off our uh, coasts. The one thing I can say, if there is going to be fuel rationing and fuel shortages, the government do have an emergency plan in place that I was reading about uh, yesterday and they have listed more than 40 categories of what they're deeming emergency and essential workers and they will be the only group of people who will be given access to a network of 130 service stations that will be dotted around the country. Now that's in the event of a severe shortage which would require fuel uh, rationing. This is the latest government plan and this really is the plans that I'm mentioning here and that the government have announced is the worst case scenario and would only come into effect in the event of severe oil supply disruption as Europe remains uh, on the edge about a sh- on edge about a shutdown uh, of energy following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Government sources say the worst case scenario plan is unlikely to come to pass but obviously they have to have a plan in uh, place because there is growing anxiety ahead of the winter. So under the government's plan 130 designated what they're calling critical service stations will remain open. All the rest of the garages will be closed. So these will be the only ones that will be getting a regular supply of fuel. And they will be open then only to provide fuel to essential workers. Essential workers would be able to get uh, fuel not only for official vehicles, but for other vehicles, you know, if they needed to get to and from work, uh, for example. And sources are also looking at technical checks to see, is it possible to set pumps to determine a limit on sales so that non-essential workers might be able to get 15 or 20 litres of uh, fuel? They're looking at, could that be done? There's also suggestions that if, in a worst case scenario, that the Gardaí and the soldiers, so the army, army might be out to man service stations in the event of uh, disputes taking place. Now, they put together this list of workers, people like the Defence Forces, National Ambulance uh, Service, Civil Defence, the Irish Coast Guard, the very obvious ones uh, are in there. And then some workers that will be deemed essential workers will be those who work in the port facilities or in shipping or in aviation, public transport, anyone obviously working in haulage, uh, healthcare workers, uh, public transport, childminders, postal services, food production is in there, journalists are in there and financial services there among some of the 40 organisations and um, professions who would be allowed in the worst case scenario. There's also contingency plans in place for rationing if Ireland was to be affected by serious gas shortages and the power sector is a primary consumer of uh, gas. Hospital schools and home heating would be giving the priority and industry sources have warned that any sudden threat of a cut off of Russian energy could see panic buying amongst customers and obviously if panic buying starts then that creates a supply shock and we all know at the start of the pandemic when there was panic buying with toilet rolls and what happened we ran out of toilet rolls because people were panic buying and that's the worst thing we need to happen will be panic 
buying. So as I say, that plan has been put in place by the government before they go off on their hollybobs today. But it is for worst case scenario uh, if we had to ration fuel. 0818-103-103. Bernie, taking your calls. C103 Jobs. A purchasing and procurement coordinator is required. It's in the Mill Street area for managing and purchasing stock. CVs to katie.keen at uh, peglobal.net. Delhi staff and food service assistant wanted for a factory canteen in Ballinine. Now there's no Sundays or no night shifts. CVs to mike.osullivan at sedexo.com. Accommodation assistance required for the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow and also waiting staff wanted for the Cow Restaurant. Call 022 And care support workers are wanted for Bandon and Clonakilty. Emails please to jason.cook at cheshire.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Now, Dara O'Brien, the Housing Minister, intends to bring in a law from next September that will prohibit online platforms such as Airbnb from advertising properties for short-term lets unless they have the required planning permission. Fine Gael Councillor Kevin Murphy has welcomed the news and he joins me to explain why. Good morning to you, Kevin. Morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Are there now simply too many Airbnb properties and not enough houses for long-term lets? Is that simply the problem at the moment? That's absolutely true. Um, and I'm well aware of that in my own, in my own hometown and, other, and outside that as well. Um, uh, a, a substantial number of people have been um, complaining and um, uh, I suppose maybe making the point quite distinctly that uh, there's no level playing pitch anymore, that some uh, have, to ha- have to have all of their standards in order uh, and uh, others do not. And uh, I've, I've, I've always advocated the fact that we need, if we need um, anything at all, we need a level playing pitch for everyone involved in the um, in the short and long term lit. That's the bottom line. Uh, so I, I, I would certainly welcome. No, I haven't uh, a legislation as such, but what I what I gather is that it is certainly uh, help and gone in the right direction. Because if you look, as you say, your own hometown of Kinsale, 181 properties were listed this week in Kinsale on Airbnb. And yet if you go on daft.ie for somebody who's looking to live and rent a property long term in Kinsale, there was only three houses listed on daft. And, and that's and that's exactly a, a very very good example. Now I was going to mention the fact that in excess of 200, I'm told, um, of those properties which are uh, listed out for for Airbnb, and like effectively all the way down to nine, as far as I'm concerned as well, Patricia, you have to look at, clearly at the the ordinary B&B people as well. Those people who have um, opened up their doors year after year after year and brought in the the um, the, 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 the those people from abroad to help them out and to enjoy their holiday period and all the rest of it, they now are almost extinct. 
in actual fact, the most of the B&Bs can't compete at all, and, uh, and not alone that, but they also have uh, to ensure that their property is up to standard, number one, and number two is um, that they are um, resident inside in an, in an area which in actual fact has its own, uh, I suppose, tax affairs in order, its own um, property tax, and also they have to avail as well um, with when it comes back to the Airbnb one, you can put four, five, six, seven, eight, ten people inside the house. It has ferocious pressure put on um, the environment for in, the, in relation to uh, how that many people can live inside in, a, in, in an area which may not have um, the up to, up to standard sewage system, water system, um, and other incidentals as well, which are due to are, are always available and always up to standard in the, the B&Bs. That's another one way which, in actual fact, has been levelled at me as well. The, we pay our taxes, we pay our rates, we pay our rent, and uh, our Airbnb are, are exempt from some of those. No, yeah, and, and do, do yeah. you know of those properties, a huge number of properties in Kinsale listed on Airbnb, were many of those once used for long-term rents, do you Yes, think? they were indeed, yeah. and, uh, and that's quite true. And uh, as well as that, I'm told now as well that, the, that the, in actual fact, some of the properties that are uh, on Airbnb at the moment have been bought by one, two, three, four, maybe five people as such, um, and they are, um, uh, we say, sub we say subbing the the the, the houses, houses dividing up the houses in small small apartment units as such, and they're renting them out to um to Airbnb. And it's, like it's 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 serious. It has we have to take into consideration as well, but it's in token. There are in certain cases as well where there are substantial amount of of problems now with parking area. Um, you can't get a parking area for the for the life, the life of money on, on, on a Monday morning. So yeah. you know. It's, all, it's always been an issue in Kinsale, particularly well, in, was, in, yeah, in, in, the, in the summer months. And I'm yeah. assuming for the property owner, Kevin, there's more money to be made in short-term letting than long-term. Is I mean, I'm Which assuming that... Of course that, there yeah. is. Yes, it, that's, the, that's, the, that's the basis of it in actual fact. And, and we know quite well, I, I mean, I know quite well that there are substantial properties in Kinsale at the moment. And there are, there are, there are so many divisions now inside in some of the houses at the moment um, that they are uh, coining at the moment. I yeah, they're coining, a lot of money. You know? Okay, just... Just, but just to it, just in order to use a property for short-term let, yeah. you 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 must apply to the local council for permission to do so. No, and you should. You should. Do you, you believe? Do yeah. Do you believe <laughs> many? Ha- I mean, is that what the problem is? Many haven't done that. Absolutely, most haven't done it. And natural fact, I know of, of, of several who have subdivided their houses in several sections, um, and um, uh, they, once they haven't stepped outside the door to to um, to adjust the, the, the front or the back of the house, or whatever it may be, they can go right ahead with it. But it does make it does make a bit of a mockery, if you like, if they mind of, of, of this kind of situation, because um, that is, there was nothing wrong with it up to now, because people just took it for granted they were going to come in and they were going to adjust their houses and um, allow people to come in for short term lets which effectively is very, very profitable. And that certainly puts a completely and absolutely unlevel, unlevel playing pitch for the rest of the people who... Yeah, are and do you believe, do, but do you believe that there, are, or is there a limit on the number of planning permissions that the council would grant for short-term lets in any one town? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't, as I said, I, I haven't. I haven't explored that one at all. In actual fact, yeah. there's, no, there's no such thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, they don't, if they don't have to apply the council, they mightn't even know. And that's it. Yeah, and that, but that's where this new piece of legislation will come in. They're now going Absolutely. to have to have to apply. Absolutely. 
Absolutely yeah. totally and I, I think like that kind of stuff I, 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 as I said to you before I always love to have some the people who have, have competition in the life of trade but there's that, that's a very different type of competition over than what we're used to Mm, past, yeah, you know? because I know the argument would be put forward is it not good for the for the tourism industry to have as many beds available as possible in beautiful Kinsale? No, it's not. It's no, not. it's not. In actual fact, and uh, as well as that, uh, you know, when you when you think think back of it, um, the, the 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 housing scarcity as well is causing mayhem as well. But I said to because I know for a fact that there was a substantial number of people who have bought properties in certain Kinsale directly for A and B um, uh, short term late, and yeah. that's a fact. So about four, five, six, eight, ten houses in there at the moment and they are lending out at this stage and they have cleaned the place up. No doubt. Because it's, no it's, where, it's where the money has been made. It's interesting that you mentioned parking because Lorraine says, while well, you have Councillor Kevin Murphy on the programme, could you ask him, is there anything that can be done about the number of camper vans parking at Gary Lucas Beach? Is there a problem well, with I, camper, I, ba- yeah, camper vans? I brought that up, I brought that up in, at, at Monday's meeting um, under AOB. Um, we have um, Gallatstown, Gary Lucas has been infiltrated with, 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 uh, with, with uh, motorhomes and, and I don't have any problem with them as such. But I think we neglected as a council, um, uh, Patricia, over the years that we haven't opened up the like of Gary Lucas and the like of Gallatstown itself and put in the motorhome parking areas and get them away from what they're actually doing is they're parking on the seaside on Gary Lucas and of course as you know when they do that they're, they're in their droves there I think there was about 72 or 73 dormobiles there last week and there is no room then for the ordinary individual who is used to going to Gallistown and Gary, Gary Lucas they can't see, even see the sea uh, they're park and some other places across the road maybe and with the danger with children running across the road and over to oh the seaside oh my side, god that's an accident a, oh, that's an accident waiting, waiting up. Desperate. So you, so you we, say there we, was all. Over... I did ask uh, Patricia before, yeah. but I did ask the, the chief executive to look into it at this at this stage. I know, look into it um, urgently. It would not. There would not. There been. There be no change this year, obviously, because we don't have the prayer. We ought to go and do it. But I'm asking for in 2023 that we do have the setup and forcing uh, forcing the automobiles or the, the motorhomes into a, a select area where they have uh, power, they have water, they have sewage, and a whole heap more things that were inside there and cows them for it because effectively what's happening here is that the only individual going to the seaside cannot enjoy the seaside anymore with the automobiles out there. And so that's not fair. That distinctly. That, and I'm waiting for a yeah. result back if I can soon. That's simply not fair because if you if you ask anyone who drives camper vans across Europe, Europe seems to be, France and Spain in particular, really set up for it. And it has become, I think because of all the staycationing over the last couple of years, Absolutely. it's becoming more popular in this country. But Therefore, local authorities need to put the facilities in place for we these camper vans. Yes, absolutely, and that's something which we will. There was something which I will. I will continue now to lobby for as best I can go to see if uh, if the Cork County Council would take these on board. All the seaside areas have exactly the same problem at the moment, and I think it's it behoves us as a council now to to match up to this and put our put our money where our mouth is and go and get the areas uh, ready for 2023, so that all those automobiles, the same as they are in any other country and the continent, um, that they must they must go and and, and lend themselves into um, an official um, automobile parking area. 
And that's the way we should be going. And as I do, where we can make some money as well, it'll be self-sustaining after a small bit. Yeah, because Cove, Cove um, have a, have a lovely little facility, don't they? Yes, yeah, so it yes. has been done. It has been done in other towns. I'm shocked to hear you say there was over seventy last weekend, and with the weather forecast for this weekend, you're probably going to have even more than seventy. Well, it, it, it creates, absolutely, it, it creates mayhem down in, in, in Galilucas and in Galistone. Um, the Gardaí have a dreadful problem trying to get traffic through it uh, because of the parking is taken up totally and it's overcrowded. But we need to get those particular car spaces in place or uh, dormobile places in place as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I hope now that, we, that they'll take some advice and get up and running for the 2023 with a bit of luck. We'll have it up and uh, at least we'll make some stab at getting it done in some other places as well, which is very kind find and parking look you don't want us to go to the beach and sit inside the car about 10, 15, 20 minutes inside the car waiting for the, the, the traffic to clear you just can't well, you certainly you won't wouldn't. this weekend with what Matt Aaron are telling us uh, it that's the, it's the last it's the last thing anybody wants to do is get stuck in a hot car with all the kids uh, going are we nearly there are we nearly there come here tell <laughs> us uh, tell us how is Kinsale doing are you very busy Yes, extraordinary busy, it, um, it, yeah. and, and it's, it's great pleasure because this year we're, we're, you know, this year it's, it's great that the people are still demanding um, their, 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 their rights, and, and rightly so. They're, they're very, they're very respectful of the actual fact at the moment, and all we can do now at the moment is try and help them out as best we can because there's dreadful pressure on, um, on the, the cost of living, uh, fuel costs, and the whole thing that has gone stone stock raving mad. So we are trying to do, we are we're trying to, we say even out there small and maybe give them some. Kind of, some kind of, of, um, of uh, you know, respite if we can, you know. They're, okay. they're very, in fairness, all people are upset about the whole scene at the moment and all we can do is try and help the as best we can to try okay. and... Out, know, out of interest, that. and I don't know if you know, are you seeing many overseas visitors in Kinsale? We have, have yes, you, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Yes, Kinsale is very full of, um, of foreign visitors and yeah. normally that remain. Yeah, and, um, it's always been a know, popular spot. It's it, it is popular, but every other place is well known. Yeah. Going to West Cork as well has been pretty busy as well, you know. Yeah. And, the, and the weather course, uh, weather conditions will help out big time as well, you know. Okay, well, enjoy yeah. enjoy the sunshine and keep well hydrated. We <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, uh, yeah. Take care. It's good to talk to you. Thanks a million. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Kinsale based. Bye bye. Thank you. The Kinsale based uh, Fine Gael. Uh, County Councillor uh, Kevin Murphy 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862 103 103 Now what brilliant news did we have this week to hear that Ross Carberry has been named as one of the 20 best places to holiday in Ireland. It's in the Irish Times competition which is run in association with Falta Ireland. A man who knows only too well while Ross Carberry is such a great place and that's Neil Grant who's the general manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel. Good morning to you Neil. Morning, Patricia. You're, I'm 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 very well, thank you. You're very welcome to the program. Now, entries came from right across the 32 counties, with Roscarbury receiving 85 nominations. Were you thrilled to hear that it received so many nominations? Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I think uh, what was quite heartening was you sometimes run a bit of a campaign and you you put a post up and you say, "Look, this this competition there would love your vote." And you hear nothing, but I was blown away by how many people on our own social media kind of responded and said, done, absolutely agree, one of the best places in Ireland, and we've given you our vote. So uh, there was good engagement during the, uh, the the process where people were 
we're putting forward kind of nominations. Yeah, and it's it's all from members of the public and people who would have visited yeah. uh, Ross Garbery. And overall, we here in Cork, we got the most nominations, 222, which proves we are a great little county to visit. Oh, it's fantastic. Like, it's, uh, I, I think Ross Garbery is amazing and we're biased <laughs> that we think it's the best place. But, I mean, there's so many, I'm just in, on this morning and it's buzzing away and there's lots of people around so I think that generally you know West Cork and East Cork uh, and the city you know have a lot to offer as well you know but uh but yeah, we'll we'll take this one. We'll we'll take that being the representative for the top twenty. Yeah, because it's the only one. It's the you're the only one. Eh, Ross Garvey is the only one in Cork to have made the top twenty best places to holiday. Do you know now, Neil, what the judges will look for in deciding an overall winner? Uh, no, I've I've not heard at all. Uh, to be honest, um, like other than a few of us saying that we we should try and. Uh, you know, make a, a stake for this. We, we, I've not had any engagement with uh, Fulch Ireland or Irish Times. I don't know what they're looking for, but I think one thing in the in the link where the the, the feedback is that it, it it seems to look at everything. They made made a point of saying that Ross Carberry has everything, but the only thing that maybe was lacking, and they 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 said something about a daytime cafe, which I disputed. I kind of thought that we we do have that offering too. Mm, but, maybe uh, maybe the judge it, the judges must have missed yeah, that. Yeah, possibly. And so, but that shows the depth at which they're looking. They're not just looking, you know, generally. They're going to look for cafes. They're going to look for lunch places. They're going to look for things to do. They're going to look for paid things and free things to do uh, because they've listed those things amongst many others. So, yeah. And and I think the presentation of any any ho- ho- holiday destination is key too. So. And we've got a, a fantastic Tidy Towns committee. So fingers crossed that that uh, counts for something too. Yeah, because it, it wasn't just down to how many public votes you got. I mean, they had a panel of judges. You know, there was there was travel bloggers on there and uh, one obviously a journalist from the Irish Times who seemingly spent hours debating the entries before selecting oh. the best 20. So it wasn't just based on the number of entries. And I loved the fact that what they said about Ross Carberry, they described it as one of West Cork's lesser known jewels. And they pointed out that it was both an ideal location for a family house, holiday, peaceful, but with lots of water-based activities as well as an excellent base for which to explore West Cork. And that's ex- that really is the key, isn't it, to uh, to Ross Garbery? Yeah, I, I think if you stray kind of 10 or 15 minutes either direction, you're, you're kind of almost as far as Skibbereen in one direction and you're in Clon in the other. Uh, and in between that, you've got uh, the, the walks around Castle Freak. Uh, you've got uh, night kayaking from Reen, Reen Pier, uh, you know, in, in Union Hall. And so there's so much, even if you look at Ross Carberry as, it, uh, as a destination, if you just widen it a tiny bit more, you, you've got access to so much more. And I think that that being a base is absolutely crucial for, for people when they choose Ross Carberry. Uh, and there's a great spread of accommodation. There's great B&Bs. There's places near B&B. There's holiday cottages at Celtic Cottages, the hotel. You know, there's just, uh, it ticks the box for 
so many different demographics, you know. Well, it's brilliant. And I think just to even get into the top 20, uh, Ross Garbery is, is a winner already. Now, just to let people know, the five finalists will be named on this day week, Friday the 22nd of July. And then the overall winner gets announced a week later. That will be in the, on the August Bank Holiday uh, weekend. But I, I certainly think just to get into the top 20, uh, Ross Garbery is winning. And how is the summer season going, uh, Neil, in Ross Garbery? Yeah, it's really taken off. Uh, I think June and kind of the first couple of days of July, uh, there was a. It seemed like there was a, a little lack of football. Uh, the hotel was busy from our perspective, but a few people were saying there's not as many around. But I think with the good weather and in the last week, uh, uh, Smugglers Cove are always creative. They were doing a little offer with a, a free pizza at one point, which I think is now finished. But that drove a few few people towards. But it's, it's definitely. Uh, much busier uh, now, I think, uh, which is great. Yeah, and of course, all the children now are, are on school holidays. So I, I, I take it from here on in, uh, it's going to be jammers for the rest of July and uh, please God in, uh, into August. And of course, this lovely weather that we've got across this weekend and next week. And I'm really thrilled that you took time out to talk to us today because you're actually on your holidays. And that got me thinking, what does a hotelier do? I mean, are you able to switch off and enjoy a holiday or are you constantly looking at things? Uh, look, I'm, I'm local anyway. I'm just got the week off and I'm spending it uh, with the kids and things. They're uh, they're off school, so it was just to take a week. So uh, this week is just go to the beach with the kids or uh, take them to the play park or kind of do do stuff outside just to keep them entertained. But I think uh, I I tend to like to go on a holiday, which is probably not a hotel, just purely from the the point of view that. It's, uh, you, you want to do something different to what you normally do. So we, we've taken a couple of camper van holidays down the years and quite enjoy that. But it's terrific that you're able to just take a week off and not even have to leave home and still feel you're on holiday because of where you are. Totally. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. That's the, the beauty of where we are. Uh, yeah, well, listen, enjoy your week off because I imagine uh, it's, it's so busy at the hotel at the moment, which is fantastic. Uh, so enjoy. And once again, congratulations to everybody in uh, Ross Carberry. And we're keeping our fingers and toes and everything crossed that you'll go either, even further in this competition. But thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much. Good Take morning care. to you. Bye-bye. That is Neil Grant on his holidays at the moment. But he's the general manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury. Now, we had some technical issues at the start of the programme. So let's go back to where we tried to start the programme with today. And this is according to yesterday's Echo. A number of Cork teenagers are turning to crime victim support services during their summer holidays. And this is due to the severe impact of vicious school bullying. To find out more, I'm joined by Sally Handlin, who's director of Support After Crime Services, which is based in the city. Good afternoon as it is now. Good afternoon, Sally. Good afternoon. And finally I can hear you. Thank God. Great, great to chat with you. Great now, to chat with you is, is this something new for your services or would you have heard from teenage victims of bullies before? We hear more so from their parents. And it's not necessarily during the school holidays. It's during school time, but out of school hours and out of school grounds. And some of the attacks you are hearing about, we're talking about actual physical assaults. Or physical assaults. As did say in Cork, take a beating. My God. And we're talking, what age teenagers are we talking about? We're talking 15, 16, uh, 14, 15, 16. 
But always there's only one victim that's that's targeted by a group. Now, you might have one bully in the group and their supporters. Yeah. That's how bullies operate, though, isn't it? Oh, it is in a pack, yeah. Boys and girls? Boys and girls. God, it's dreadful. And, you know, I suppose the worst part of this is it, it, whose responsibility is it? Is it the schools? Because it doesn't happen in their school. Um, it's hatched in the school. And the victim is um, pre-informed that it will be coming down the line. My God, the psychological impact ah, of that. This, this crazy. So because of the age profile and because they're all going to go back into the one cast most likely, after the school holidays, uh, unless it's resolved, there is, it is in the hands of the guards, um, but unless it's resolved satisfactorily for the parents of the victim and the victim themselves, well, then there's no consequences. So do we move on to another victim or do we continue with the same? And then you've got that young person worried for the whole summer Afraid to yes. go out in case they'll bump into this group. Yes. And then terrified about school reopening next September. Yes. And avoidance during the summer. Which means of stuck at home. Stuck at home. Isolating. You see, it is, I suppose, we, we can look at it. And why, why do people bully? Is it inferiority of themselves? Is it jealousy of the person they're bullying? Is it just wanting to be the hard man or woman or girl or boy? And they get support in doing it from onlookers who video it. You see, this is a new aspect that wasn't there when you and I were growing up, um, Sally. Uh, And unfortunately, it's becoming the norm now. Uh, And I take it if an attack is filmed and then posted up online, which does happen, that is only adding to the damage for the victim, isn't it? Totally, totally. And like it it comes to a stage where if you have three or four attackers, well, the victim is not going to be able to defend themselves. And because they know it's been videoed, they're not going to even make an effort to defend themselves so that there is no wrong. And it's a big laugh to those who are doing it, but they have no idea of the consequences for those who are doing it too and their families. Well, and the poor victim is belittled further by other people looking yes. at it and laughing at it and yes. thinking, isn't and this a great bit of fun? And it's anything but a great bit of fun. Oh, it's no fun. And again, there can be an issue for the victim, you know, of going home and telling their parents because obviously the first question, what did you do? Why, why is it you? Why are, why are they at you? Did you do something to them? And the answer is normally, most times, no. They just got picked on. And do, do the schools get involved in any way? I mean, I know you're saying a school can say, well, look, if somebody got beaten up and it was after school hours or it was on a Saturday, uh, nothing to do with us. But, yes. do, but surely they must have a level of responsibility. Well, what I my hope is, because we our service has been overrun this year, is uh, to to um, visit the schools, okay. talk about bullying, 
the impact of crime and consequences for action. Now, I have been trying to reach one of the guards in particular who's dealing with one of the cases because it is ongoing, the case. And what I would love to see happening, because I've seen it happening with very, very good results, a restorative caution where all those involved trust their parents and junior liaison officers, and I can accompany them if they so wish, are brought together. But the, the bully has to admit, you know, say, yes, I did it. And then there can be questions asked why and maybe move on in a safer way. And does the victim get a chance to say, eyeball the bully and say the effect that it had? Yes. And yeah, yeah. An opportunity to ask why. Now, obviously, so, obviously, we're not going to, to touch on a, a case that is with the guards before the courts um, for very obvious reasons. But yes, indeed. Uh, on cases that have been dealt with in the past, are there any consequences for the perpetrators, particularly when the Gardaí get involved, or are they all simply underage? They're all underage. So do they walk away with no, with no consequences? They walk away with a juvenile caution, which means that they will be supervised until they're 18. They do not have a record. And does that work? For some. For others, I think they don't even understand the damage they're doing. So for others, no. And and are their parents brought in on that? The parents would be brought in on the restorative caution. Uh, if it isn't a restorative caution, it's where the offender is taken in and spoken to and told they'd be supervised. But to me, it involves everybody. I've seen it done. I've seen it work so successfully back a number of years ago where a girl had received a broken arm uh, and was attacked uh, by four or five others and all of them were present and the reason why they were doing they were jealous of her because she was a good singer so you <sighs> see there, there's if you if, if everybody could get a reason why things are happening and you see again for us we haven't got to meet those teenagers because they're reluctant but we've got to meet the parents we're devastated who don't know where to turn to but sure, as parents, Sally, we just, we, you know, we want the world to be a beautiful, happy place for our children. I can't okay. even begin to imagine what it must be like for a parent to know that their son or daughter is in, in their bedroom for the entire summer, terrified of going out in their local town, local part of the city for fear of meeting up with a group of bullies who might beat the living daylights out, out of him or her. And yeah. living in fear of going back. I mean, to watch your child in that much pain is, is excruciating. It is, of course. And there's the fear, you know, the the emotional damage that's done, the trauma that's done, how the different younger victims can cope with it, their methods of coping. So it, it, it's a hard one. And I know it is It is often the case that they say the bully, the, the main ringleader, often has problems in their own home or maybe they were bullied themselves. Uh, and, and I hear that argument lots of times. But yet people who then are bullied, are the victims of bullied, the majority of them don't go on to become bullies. No, 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 because they know the consequences, they know the suffering. 
You know, yeah. so I like. I mean, we could. It's like a chicken and egg situation. Oh, why do they do it? Are they coming from bad homes? Are they not supervised? Like what you have now at the moment, Patricia, and I'm sure you have it down your way as well as we have it everywhere. During the summer period, where groups of young teenagers are getting together and they're meeting up in 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 areas such as fields or parks or whatever, and they're having their cans and they're maybe maybe a little stronger, and there is a lot of physical fighting. There's a lot of uh, sexual interference. And there is, it's just, there is nothing for children to do. The, the, the like, I mean, we, builders and, and the, the word I'd want for more for the builders now, but, um, they should be, when they start to build a load of houses in a place, they should be obliged to put in facilities, such as play areas, pitches, whatever else. Those that the youngsters will keep occupied. Yeah, youth clubs and stuff. Yeah, yes. I mean, okay, so so th- so that's a problem that the young people are, have nothing to do. Even though every generation will say, as teenagers go through, oh, I'm bored. I I, I have nothing. Uh, to, I have nothing to do. But there's parental responsibility in what you're saying there as well. Parents need to know when Johnny and Mary head out the door, what they're Where up they to, what and what, and what they and what they get up to. Yes, they do. They do, and and who they're with. Uh, in, in as much as they can and you know again checking on if they say they're sleeping over where are they sleeping over do they know who they're sleeping over with do they know the parents have their permission have they spoken to the parents in that house so there's a lot a lot a parent can do mm. to ensure their child's safe yeah, Jim in West Cork is listening to you and says it just really brings back bad memories to Jim today of his own time when his children were bullied. He said the school principal at the time, absolutely useless. And he makes the point that some people never get over bullying. And and that and that is, therein lies the real problem with this. You can have what? young people being bullied today who will carry the effects of that with them for the rest of their lives. Well, you see, confidence, self-confidence, can go drop to low levels um, and, and independence of being able to do what they want to do when they want to do it in a safe manner. So, yes, bullying can come through. And if it starts young, it can be, it can, they can be targets of it, however it happens or how they're identified as even they go through further schooling and into the workplace. Yeah, and what, sir, how do you, how does your group help the people that do reach out to you, Sally? Well, as I say, now we haven't met the youngsters involved. It's the parents. Yeah, in in the bullying cases. Yeah. It's the parents. Like, we're just there for them. Uh, We are trying to intervene, uh, not with the other parents, but with the guards. And I'm sure there will be some action taken. Um, But again, my concern is the youngster that's bullied and returning to school. But so, do, uh, but is your message to parents today who are listening to us if their son or daughter is being bullied and particularly if there's physical assaults going on, is your message to them go to the Gardaí and report it? 
Oh, of course. See, the child mightn't want that. That's the... No, the child doesn't want it, you see, because it's bringing further attention on them. But to the parents, yes, because if you don't, they're getting away with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think, like, I mean, again, you're talking, I mean, we, we, we were extremely busy last year. We had quite a few teenagers of uh, assault and of historical sexual abuse. By, by peers, peer peer to peer sexual abuse. Se- no, no, no. Okay. All right. Um, Kathleen in Mill Street uh, says uh, on bullying, it's up to the parents to find something that interests their young people during the summer months, be it music or sports. The devil finds work for idle hands. It does indeed. And indeed. Sally, overall, how busy are you at your group support we after are, crimes? We are we are very very busy. Um, we worked right through COVID. Now, we didn't see people face-to-face except real emergencies, but we dealt with them on the phone and online. Um, and that seemed to keep us going. But we're back face-to-face again now. Oh, yeah. In a restricted, you know, with, yeah. with, the, with the social distancing and things like that. But we've been very, very busy. And I would urge people to avail of our service even if it's only for a chest with the mind disease. Yeah, you do fantastic work. And I know I've heard from people who have, have reached out to you and they say that That's you just, right. you changed their lives and uh, that you got their lives yep. back on track. Yeah, you're fantastic. Listen, Sally, continue. Good luck to you and the rest of uh, of, of the group. And uh, always a pleasure to talk to you and no and, doubt we'll speak and again. Thank you, Patricia. God Could bless. I just yeah. say one thing, Patricia? Yeah. We're currently recruiting for volunteers. Okay. Because we know the demand is going to increase. So if there's anybody out listening there to you today who is a common sense, good person, kind, non-judgmental, who has a few hours to spare a week, give us a call. We get them out in application form and we will train them. We're having a delay at the moment with the guard of vetting. They have a new system now. But we will get there. And we could do with more people to help more people. Okay, and the number to call is zero two one four three two zero five five five. Okay, and your website is supportaftercrimeservices.ie. Sally, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye or good afternoon. That is Sally Handlin of uh, Support After Crime Services and I say they're based in Anglesey Street in the city, doing fantastic work trying to support people to build their lives back after crime. But just just really caught my attention when I realised that she was uh, working with parents of of children really, really badly bullied and the effect that that's having on uh, everyone including the parents 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie There's a Kaylee in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tonight half nine to half twelve music is by Jerry McCarthy admission is ten euro and it does include a tease the Krishna Lanov and commemoration is taking place at 8 o'clock tonight. The oration will be by Thomas McCorrick from the Cork Fenian Society. Music and refreshments afterwards in O'Donovan's Bar in Ballinadee. Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex 8.15 tonight and Kildallery Bingo is in the Old Creamery Yard 
and they continue with the option to play inside or outside and there is also bingo in Middleton GAA this evening at half past seven and tomorrow night they will have dancing to Martin Carney and Derry Kennedy. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And just some of your comments in on bullying. I was just speaking to Sally about Mike and Bantry says bullies are only cowards. They are. But it takes a good person to stand up and stop the bullies uh, because the herd mentality has a tendency to kick in. Anthony said those physical attacks that Sally describes are crimes. And the age of criminal prosecution in this country is 12. And yet nothing seems to happen to the 12 year olds plus. And the umbrella of antisocial behaviour is protecting them and only getting a caution at worst, said Anthony. Something needs to be done about that. And thank you for that. And then someone else is commenting on the prime time programme last night which I say was only on in the background so I wasn't really watching it and uh, somebody was commenting on the homeless uh, people somebody Mary has pointed out uh, what was happening on that programme last night Mary says Patricia the primetime programme last night was on antisocial behaviour on public transport it started off by showing homeless people begging and using drugs around Connolly Station and the Lewis Stations in Dublin and then they went on to show groups of young people harassing people on the Lewis carriages and the fact that people didn't pay the fee to travel and when they were fined they were giving false names and addresses and hence no fine was paid. I was shocked at comparing both the homeless people and then the antisocial behaviour on our public uh, transport and the idea somehow that homeless people were included in the story about antisocial behaviour. I felt that it would create a picture that homeless people are causing trouble. My God, their situations are caused not through no fault of their own and our government is also at fault for the situation those homeless people find themselves in. Have a lovely weekend and that is from uh, Mary. Uh, WhatsApping 0862103103. Have a lovely weekend yourself. And Stephen in County Kerry. This is on earlier when we were talking about the cost of electricity and we had the email in from Mick, one of our listeners, who was talking about how washing his clothes and then tumble drying it, how it's gone up in price and he has one of those prepaid meters so he can see exactly how much his electricity is costing him and it is over doubled in price in the last number of months and that led to somebody else saying do we wash our clothes too much and I was throwing that out to see what do people feel do we wash or do younger people expect their clothes to be washed uh, too often and if we compare ourselves to previous generations did they not wash their clothes as often as we do well Stephen is picking up uh, on that and Stephen said I've always said that a lot of that stuff is a complete waste this is all the washing and that the younger generation are simply spoilt do you really need to spend half an hour in the shower some people might do that twice a day if the worst came to the worst you can actually scrub and rinse yourself in a minute try it said Stephen it does work or do they have to take off a top after four hours of wearing it and throw it into the washing machine does it really need to be washed that often how did people manage before I worked in I was working in a house doing some work in a house one day and the washing machine never stopped for the duration of time I was in the house and I'm imagining that is possibly a household with a lot of children thank you for that uh, Stephen and good to have you along 0818103103 and Mike in Bantry has been back on to say he's purchased the book that we spoke about on the programme a couple of weeks ago when I did that pre-recorded piece with Charlie Bird the Climb with Charlie book the new book is out Mike has purchased a copy of it because I think it was the week we did 
it was I think it was going into the shops the following week he's got a copy of it he said he would highly recommend it that is fantastic uh, well done actually just on the climb with Charlie uh, just to mention uh, do you remember we had that very very sad incident here um, here in Cork where tragically a, a Cora O'Grady a mum died on Galtimore while taking part in Charlie Bird's uh, climb and she was with her two young children Lily and Luke it was just devastating for everybody including Charlie Bird you mentioned it actually in my interview well there is a project set up it's called the Cree Cora Project which is to fundraise for Cora's two children who are now being looked after and raised by uh, Cora's sisters and a special GoFundMe page has ensured that the children's future needs you know, will be looked after and seemingly according to the organisers, people's generosity have been absolutely uh, incredible. I mean, there's work at the moment to adapt the aunt's house to provide for the children for a secure future. So work is going on on that and a number of family, friends and members of the community have come together to coordinate and fundraise for the project and they're going to do it similar to a kind of a DIY SOS model with a team of local architects and engineers and tradespeople. They'll all be donating their times and skills and materials which is, which is absolutely brilliant. So as part of the fundraiser this weekend, it's on this Sunday, Kingston College are having an open day to support the Cree Cora project and they're inviting members of the public to come along and have a peek behind the magical transformation which has taken place at Kingston College when Baz Ashmarwe and his army of heroes involved in the DIY SOS, the Big Build TV programme that was held at the college. And next Sunday between 1 and 6, volunteers will give guided tours of the six restored houses and gardens. They'll do them every half an hour and it gives everybody an insight into the enormity of the work that's been uh, carried out to get these houses fully restored. And you'll get a glimpse before the TV programme will actually go live, which is fantastic. And what they're looking for is, what they're suggesting is that people give a 10 euro donation, which will go to the Cree Cora project and children will be allowed in uh, uh, free and of course these stunning Georgian houses have been restored they're going to offer an oasis of calm for Ukrainian families and then when the Ukrainian families no longer need them and the war please God one day very soon will be over and the Ukrainians will be able to go home then they will those houses will become available for members of the community who can apply through the Kingston College uh, Trust so if you want to get a glimpse as to what happened on the DIY SOS at Kingston College next Sunday between one and six and we wish everybody good luck with that Cree Cora uh, project it's in such such a, a worthwhile uh, cause 0818103103 now this week our news reporter Mairead Tuig went to visit the beautiful town of Cove and she went along to find out more about everything that Cove has to offer including the fact that it's a very insta friendly town. Very good. Uh, we were absolutely devastated by COVID because 94% of our trade and business came from overseas international. So when COVID hit, it really hit very harshly. And I think a year ago, I'd have been very happy with a 40% recovery or even 20% it had been so bad. But actually, I'd say we're closer to 75% at the moment. So it's really vibrant. It's great. Visitors are back. It's a busy day for Dr. Michael Martin, creator of the Titanic Trail walking tours of Cove. He has a few minutes to spare between tours to chat. This year, I would have visited New York, Boston, uh, Chicago and Washington, D.C. And I found we met 
I suppose, 850, maybe 1,000 tour operators, there was a great pent-up demand for people to travel. Their clients wanted to travel. They wanted to get to Ireland. And in the interim period, when we weren't there, uh, Tourism Ireland and, our, and the agencies uh, did a fabulous job. People like Pure Cork, you know, these marketing agencies are doing a fabulous job, have done a fabulous job during COVID that kind of kept us on the map. So I found a great enthusiastic groundswell of eagerness to get back to Ireland, to come back and visit and to get rolling again. Frederica's parents are over for a visit from Italy. For me, it's not the first time, but they, for them it is, and they are super happy. And they like the colours, they like the streets, they like the, the food. So... They're really happy with that. So we were in Kinsale yesterday, so every city is different as its own soul. People are out and about enjoying what Cove has to offer on a warm, sunny day. Irene and Kathleen are originally from the town and now live in Manchester. So busy, a lot busier than it used to be. It's great to see it um, doing so well, you know, not sort of sleep and it's... You know, it's brilliant to see all the tour buses and everything in. We come home every year to go over there. Because we're gone. How long have we gone? It's Quite 1980. Quite a while. 1980. Hendrik Verway is from Cove Tourism. It's like putting the clock back two years, really, because the cruise ships are back and they bring a, a vibrancy and a buzz about the place when they do come. Um, people come to see them, as well as the passengers on board. People come to see the ships. So, you know, that's that's right back where it was. Because their numbers are, are, are nearly as good as 2019. Tourism, other than that, I suppose, you would notice that Irish people the last two years weren't able to leave the country as such. So you can definitely get that feeling around the place. There's not as many Irish people staycationing or, you know, going on day trips. But there's a long summer there yet. History and how Instagrammable the town is are some of the reasons why people love to visit Cove. People come to Cove because of history, the Titanic, the Lusitania, the whole the whole immigration team and, and that will go across, you know, Irish people as, and Americans as well. Um, so that's one of the reasons. I think another reason that, that's very prominent is, is this whole Instagram and this whole social media thing. And you see people climbing the deck of cards, the hill, and they're looking for the best vantage points and they're trying to recreate the shot that they've seen. Joanna Murphy, president of Cove and Harbour Chamber, says Cove is buzzing. This year in particular we have 90 cruise ships coming into Cove, of which you've already had a good few. Um, each cruise ship could have 3,000, 4,000 passengers per ship. Then you have the spectators coming down as well. You also have summer swing here. We have markets then as a result of that. We obviously have a lot of tourist attractions like Spike Island. We have the Titanic Experience. We have Cove um, Heritage Centre, which tells the story of Cove. The activity in Cove daily from tourists is good, but also I've noticed a lot of people are moving to Cove to live here, which is great. And businesses are beginning to open up in Cove which means that it's, I think Cove is getting an enormous amount of credibility, which is great. Um, so, yeah, so Cove is busy, definitely a lot happening and a lot to happen. OK, and thank you to Mairead uh, Tuig, our news reporter, for that special summer feature on Cove. And good luck to all of the businesses uh, in Cove and all of the tourists and day trippers who will be spending a visit there. Oh, yeah. C103 Anthems. Weekdays at 9am and 7pm. C103. 
Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And we have Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. No, I can't unfortunately play out uh, the uh, trailer that you've sent on because I'm on a different system today. But you want to talk to us about Thor, Love and Thunder. And then your second movie is something called The Phantom of the Open. But start with Thor, Love and Thunder. Now, this is uh, Russell Crowe and Thor. Well, Russell Crowe is, uh, well, Crow is a small kind of part in it. Uh, he, plays, um, he plays Zeus in this film but it's only just kind of a, a quick kind of guest role in it and uh, the interesting thing about uh, Russell Crowe in this film actually is that um, uh, they weren't quite sure what accent he was going to use because um, uh, they were thinking well do we give him a Greek accent or do we give him an English accent so he, when he filmed his scenes he did both the problem <laughs> is his Greek accent sounds Italian it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever and it didn't work I'm afraid it's a guest starring role which for me didn't work anyway so it's Chris Hemsworth as uh, Thor, as Thor uh, yeah. once again who is that who's getting so big now uh, that you know you just spend the whole film just looking at his triceps thinking how do they get that big <laughs> that is extraordinary so he, he spends the whole time in a kind of a sleeveless t-shirt and you just you're just in awe of his guns throughout the whole film. He's getting bigger and bigger. If you look back at the first film, he's hardly muscular at all, and now you see the size of him. Um, so anyway, so this is the uh, this is the fourth uh, Thor film. I really liked the first one. Uh, it was directed by Richard Branagh. It was kind of sweet. It was kind of cute. The second film was terrible. Uh, the third film, the Ragnarok film, which was the one previous to this, was for me, it's one of the best Marvel films. Taika Waititi came in, um, you know, brought a lot of humour with it, but he got the... I think it got the balance right between action and seriousness and uh, and humor and it worked and it's absolutely terrific. So I was really, really looking forward to this. Taika Waititi came back again. He's one of the writers involved and he's uh, he's one of the directors here. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. And it is kind of a, it is a huge disappointment after Love and Thunder. Part of the problem is that for some reason that they've decided that Thor must be a big Egypt. And he is throughout all of this film. I mean, if you look back at the first film, for example, he was quite arrogant, mm. quite naive of uh, the way the, wor- the world works and the way the earth works and, and, and humanity works. But here he's just a big, big dope throughout the whole film. And I think that's a bit of a shame because I, I, I don't think that was kind of necessary. There's an awful lot of humor uh, in this film. And and, um, and there's a little bit too much, I think. The strange thing about it is that, and I think it gets back to that kind of balance once again, because one of the characters, it's in the, the trailer, I think, uh, one of the characters has stage four cancer. And when those scenes happen, I mean, they are really quite devastating and quite serious. Next thing, it'll switch to Thor being very silly indeed. And it's those constant uh, switches between moods, which I don't think quite work. And I think that's a bit of a shame. The Guardians of the Galaxy kind of turned up at the start of the film. They obviously weren't there. They were obviously filmed individually and then digitized in. And that's a shame because when you think of the the, the Guardians films, um, you really enjoy their company and you really enjoy those characters. And it kind of dismisses those characters as if they didn't really exist. And and the the, the quality of the, of the digitized images that they used wasn't very, very good either. What follows then is... Uh, Christian Bale uh, arrives as Gore, who is the god butcher. So he wants to kill all gods. To do that in a kind of a Pied Piper type of way, he um, he kidnaps the children of Asgard. So Chris, uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor uh, enlists the help of Valkyrie Korg and his ex-girlfriend Jane Foster <clears throat> to go and find uh, Gore, the god butcher, who wants to make all gods uh, extinct. And once again, I think some of the action sequences work 
some of them don't. I think some of the humour is okay. Um, I did smile a lot while I was watching it. Um, uh, Christian Bale as Gore is genuinely creepy. Although the weird thing is that when he was addressing the kids, it's almost like he turns into Del Boy. It's very strange. And he's like, all right, then, kids, you know, I'm Gore. I'm, I'm going to kill you. And it's very strange. And again, I think, um, you know, that change in personality of Gore didn't really quite work because when he was scary, he was genuinely creepy and very, very good. And I, and, and I, I enjoyed watching uh, Christian Bale uh, in the film. Can I just say, by the way, just as a side note, when we went to, to see this, I went to see this with my daughter. We went to a different cinema that we don't normally go to. And I haven't been to this cinema in a while. The audio and volume level was so loud, I literally had to put my fingers in my ears on occasions. And when I left the, the, the theatre, when I left the, the cinema, my, I had tinnitus. My ears were ringing for the rest of the night. So, you know, if you're a cinema owner and you're listening to this right now, just keep an eye on your sound levels because it was really crazy loud. It really was. Yeah, uh, and so, that um, can, it can actually ruin the movie if the sound is too loud. Very much so. And in fact, you could hardly hear what they were saying sometimes. It was also because of the, the, the fact that the sound effects were way, way too loud as well. And uh, so just keep an eye on that. Just turn it down ever so slightly if it is really loud, because it was too loud. And I literally, during the action sequences, which I was enjoying, I literally had to put my fingers in my ears, which is very strange. I very rarely have, have had to do that in a cinema in, in the past. So look, it is a bit of a disappointment after Ragnarok. There is some fun here. Don't get me wrong. It is it's it's not a great movie, but it's a it's a bad movie that I enjoyed most of. Yeah. Um, but it is and disappointing. And it sounds listening to you like they tried to be too funny, and they didn't need to be. I, I agree with that, yes. And it's almost like it's kind of making fun of itself. And I don't think that was kind of really, really necessary. And that was a bit of a shame, I think, um, because it undermines the film and it undermined Thor. And Chris Hemsworth is so good. He really is. And all of the cast, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, it was great to see these uh, the, these characters on screen again. Um, and as I say, it's just a disappointment. Maybe I shouldn't compare it to Ragnarok because Ragnarok was so good, but I suppose after Ragnarok, we wanted something that would kind of maybe match that. It doesn't. But look, it's still entertaining. OK. All right. Mark it out of 10. I'll give it six. Six out of ten. OK. And then your second movie is The Phantom of the Open. When I saw it first in print, I thought it was The Phantom of the Opera. Was, oh, no, it's The Phantom of the of the Open. And I'm told loosely based on a true story. Well, I'm not sure how loose it is, actually. I think the only thing that's kind of not similar to the re- its reality, I think, is that uh, the main character of this, the character of Morris Flitcroft, I think, um, Mark Rylance plays him as an almost kind of innocent um, and, and and very, very sweet man. And I think in reality, the character of Morris wasn't. But most of what you see on screen is actually very similar to what happened. And it's an extraordinary story. I knew of this story. I, I, I heard about Morris Flitcroft. I knew about him back in the 80s. And so it was great. And I was really, really looking forward to this. And of course, it's very, very topical as well, because the British Open, of course, is on this weekend. And so basically, Mark Rylance plays this, this man called Morris, who is a crane driver, um, he's a bit of a dreamer. He tries to tell his kids that they can be anything. You can be an astronaut. You can be anything you want to be. And he's a bit of a dreamer. And one night he comes home and he turns on his TV and he's looking at the British Open. He's watching, you know, the great days of the Open with Nicholas and Watson. And he thinks, you know, I can, I can do that. So he buys the cheapest clubs he can. He tries to join the local um, golf club, but they're very snobby. They say, look, we don't want your sword here. So he's got to go off. And he tries to practice at night in the golf course, but he gets kind of, he gets kicked off. He, he practices on the, uh, the beach. He's not very good. But what he decides to do is he decides to uh, enter the British Open. And um, he fills out the, uh, the, the entrance form. He sends it off. 
and the, because he lies on it, you know, on it they they ask him, you know, are you a professional? And he says yes. So obviously their vetting procedures in those days wasn't very good. He ends up at the Open at one of the uh, qualifying rounds for the Open, and plays <laughs> the worst round ever at the <sighs> British Open. He, he shot was it 121, I think. But it's a wonderful sequence. It's a beautiful sequence. And Mark Rylands plays Morris with such innocence. And his kids, he's got these uh, twin kids, and they play his um, his caddies. And every time he actually plays a good shot, they all jump around and, uh, and you know celebrate an actual good shot. And it's just beautifully done. It really is. If you look up heartwarming in the dictionary, you'll see a poster for this film. It is ah, so beautiful from ah. start to finish. And Mark Rylance's performance as, as Morris is absolutely wonderful. Uh, Sally Hawkins as his wife, absolutely terrific. From start to finish, it's an absolute joy. And there are things that happen in the film you, you would think aren't real, and you would think, no, that can't have happened. At the end, they show actual film of the reality. Of and what believe did. me, it's exactly the same. Oh, that sounds fantastic. It's a beautiful film for all the family. And it's called The Phantom of the Open. OK, Mark, that out of 10. Oh, it's getting a 10 10, well done, well <laughs> done. So thrilled to hear that got a 10. Listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and we'll chat to you next Friday. Thanks a million. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer with a 10 out of 10 for The Phantom of the Open. OK, before I go, just a quick mention that uh, on Sunday, the Laharan Fun Dog Show has been held and we've been mentioning it all week. Well, one of the organisers has just been on to say that they look forward to seeing lots of people and their little doggies for their annual show on Sunday. But obviously, Obviously, they know that there is extremely warm weather expected for next Sunday. And because of that, they're going to have extra water stations available. They're even going to supply wet towels for you to cool your dogs down. Now, they are lucky in Laharan to be situated on an elevated site with beautiful views. And on the day, they're going to have plenty of special spaces allocated for shade both for the dog owners and for the dogs as well. And they are looking forward to seeing as many people as possible at the Laharan Fun Dog Show next Sunday. So well done. They are keeping in mind the warm weather and that's what we all have to keep in mind. We want everybody to enjoy the warm weather, but just be extremely careful and you can dehydrate very, very quickly. And as I said at the start of the programme, please keep an eye on older people. Make sure if you're heading out anywhere that you call into them to see that they're okay, that they need anything at the shops to save them going out if the temperatures get as scarily high as we are predicting for certainly Sunday, Monday and uh, Tuesday. And to older people, keep well hydrated and keep some extra water in the fridge. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who has been uh, producing all week while John Paul is on his holidays. He's back with us next Monday and I'll talk to you Monday morning at 10 o'clock. On to the line, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Stay safe and enjoy the weekend. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.